Classic Business with Michael Avery, sponsored by Alex Forbes, for insight, advice and impact. The Market Commentary with Michael Avery is brought to you by Peter Machlup Fine Wristwatches, South Africa's most trusted and loved watch trader. Well, we see uh, global markets retreating today uh, rather curiously as we see uh, a surge in China on the back of some revived investor confidence there helping offset uh, a more muted performance uh, elsewhere. I was surprised because I thought our commodity counters would react quite uh, strongly to that uh, new stimulus in China. Anyway, US GDP 3.3% versus 2%. What's going on in the US? And obviously the Reserve Bank uh, sitting on its hands this time at the first MPC meeting of the year. Anthea Gardner, MD of Cartesian Capital, fresh from launching your hedge fund on the 2nd of January. Chapeau, Anthea. Welcome to the first one of the year. Good evening, Michael and Merci. Um, so we, we looked at these numbers and what we noticed was that the equity markets rallied to their highest point just as the interest rate cycle is turning. And so people are actually pricing in a rate cut ahead of an actual rate cut. So I think that's what's keeping the market buoyant. The whole China story is an interesting one. I think I must be the least bearish person on China at the moment. You know, wow. and yeah, so, you know, in the West, we think um, about stimulating the economy by cutting interest rates, giving the consumer impetus to spend, um, averting crises by shoring up the banks and so forth. So I think, and, and when we do that in the West, you know, like bailout banks for, in an overnight decision, China is slightly different. They allow the banks to almost fail, if you want. So they almost let the detritus out of the system because it'll be mm-hmm. replaced by anybody else. They don't jump to save banks the way they do. And I say this, having just uh, obviously read the news yesterday that China has cut their reserve rate to 10%. That's, they've halved it basically in seven yeah. years. You know. Yeah. So, um, and, and then a whole lot of other things, which seems to us in the West a little bit... Um, uh, what's the word, banal almost, or, or not worth the effort. But I think the mentality of the Chinese is very different to us in the West, and they will do whatever they have to to keep their economy buoyant. They may not use the same tools that we do, which is why I think I'm less bearish than everyone right. else in the banks, because this property market and the fact that, and the number's crazy, it's like 80% of Chinese consumers' wealth is in property. Yeah. And if that And if that blows up, well, then their whole consumer base blows up. And so the government will step in, no doubt, I think, to Mm, do what they have mm, to do to keep mm. their economy going. Yeah, I think culturally under Mao Zedong, you couldn't own property under the the wise wisdom of Marxist uh, Chinese uh, ideology. And so when uh, the Chinese under Deng Xiaoping and others started to open up and reform and you could own property, I think culturally it really became... Uh, a very important, very significant asset class and obviously been encouraged by the Chinese government as well. And so uh, really concerning uh, what happens in the, the Chinese property market. And if you look at valuations, I think China's extremely, in fact, cheaper than the JSE at the moment. So, yeah, I think there may be something to uh, to run against the herd on China. Let's talk about the MPC. That was the other big talking point today. Um, sitting on its hands, I think everyone expected that. Uh, they also announced uh, an addition to the Monetary Policy Committee, the appointment of Dr. David Folks. Let's hope his uh, doctorate has been vetted. I'm sure it has. <laughs> uh, but he's a long-time 
kind of policy wonk Mandarin, worked inside the bank in the economic research department, all of those kinds of things. My concern, let's start with him firstly before we talk about the decision, is the, the still lack of kind of real world experience on the MPC. Michael, that concerns me hugely. It would be nice. But I think as far as I've known, all the MPC meeting um, members have been fairly academic and long-standing at the bank and real policy people. Um, and, and so you, you may be right that that's exactly what they need, somebody with real-world experience, somebody who understands. And it's not that they don't understand it from a thought or decision-making point of view, but just gets it. You know, I think... I, I thought that maybe having David, Dr. David, on the um, MPC would allay the market's fears that there were, you know, or that the only hawk, that there weren't only hawks left in the MPC. And the fact that they voted unanimously to keep the repo rate at 8.25%. I mean, maybe they're not all as hawkish as we think, Michael. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I, I would know. Well, I, I suppose you'd probably read this statement as neutral, wouldn't you? I wouldn't call it hawkish. Oh. I wouldn't call it dovish. I, I would probably say it's fairly neutral. Um, unanimous decision. They mentioned the, the inflation outlook. Economic growth, obviously under pressure. How, do you, how would you rate it? I think I was definitely more, I read it as being more hawkish than neutral. Right. Um, so not hugely so. But, but so here's a quandary that we struggle with in our team. The Saab noted that inflation expectations need to be anchored at the midpoint, right? 4.5%. The FRA curve is pricing in a 25 basis point rate cut, perhaps May meeting, maybe even July. Saab then is predicting 2024, this is, this year's headline inflation to ease to 5%. That is not target 4.5%. How are they going to justify rate cuts? Mm. And maybe this is where the real world experience comes in. Because if, if everything they've said in the past is, you know, they have to stick to it, then they can't cut rates, can they? Yeah, not if they think very, inflation is going to be at 5%. Very good observation that. We're going to have to wait and see and uh, look forward to having Dr. David folks on the show to find out a little bit more about uh, what makes him tick as well. Let's uh, turn to some of the SENS announcements today. Retailers have been announcing and uh, were up broadly today after Mr. Price uh, announced total sales up 10% on a like-for-like -like, uh, basis, only up 4%. And I think the difference explained by trading space up 7%, which is double the number of new stores that uh, Fashini opened, for example. So do you think uh, Mr. Price is eating someone else's lunch in this space? Definitely. You'd swear we weren't just talking about inflation with those improved sales numbers. I mean, December, 15.5% increase in same store sales. It's, it's just... Or, or overall sales, I should say. That's just almost crazy. I do think they are um, because of those numbers and what it looks like. Um, you, you know, just to be an, a little bit analogous about it, I have a niece and nephew. They do every sport in the country or in the world, and they grow like weeds. So yeah. <laughs> I can see how the kids' division of Mr. Price was the outperformer. Yeah, uh, well, I've got two that are growing like absolute weeds as well in grade one and grade four now and uh, can absolutely back that up. Uh, if you're in kids' clothing, it's a gold mine. And interesting that ShopRite, uh, with its unique store, is also uh, really ratcheting up the pressure in that space as well. Sassel is one that's never too far from the news and uh, announced its production and sales metrics for the half year to the, the end of uh, 
uh, of December. And I think, you know, Cecil's an interesting one. And there are lots of interesting theories around feedstock issues or ESG or pollution, all of that. I've got a very simple one. I think it's just the chemical market is is currently in in t- terrible, terrible shape. And when the chemicals turn, we'll probably see Sassel turn. Yeah, that's a good theory. I mean, you call it interesting. I call it disappointing. The share's down 50% in the last year. It's already down 10% this year. And we're only 25th of Jan, not even the end of the year yet. And, and I think you're right. It definitely shows that it has been the chemicals division that just hasn't produced and and i mean they did say right they're they're experiencing inefficiencies at secunda lake charles and then combine that with what they call persistent underperformance of the state-owned enterprises obviously escom and transnet it's a bit of a hiding to nowhere really well i wonder if they've got water in santon because that's the one thing uh, with that uh, bright new shiny hq chatting to a lot of the landlords there big problems with water supply in the Santon area and we don't have any water here in Parkview today either. Just lastly, Tesla, you've got 30 seconds, Anthea. Uh, It's been a horrible year for Tesla so far, following on from last year, which uh, wasn't, uh, well, actually it wasn't too bad. It was part of the Magnificent Seven. Do you think we're going to see the Magnificent Six given what's going on with Tesla? (laughs) Well, it looks like it. Uh, They reported earnings of 71 cents a share, which is lower than expectations of 74 cents a share. And I think the one thing I want to point out here, you know, Musk for all his free market, open-minded thinking seems to be sending a very clear message to Washington when he said in his results that presentation that he expects BYD, the Chinese business, to demolish most car companies in the world if no tariffs or trade barriers are established. That's very subtle. You know, this is the same guy who's just cutting his vehicle prices left, right and center. Um, and, and a bit Ooh. worried about this competitor in China, clearly. Well, you can't have your free market and eat it. Anthea Gardner, MD of Cartesian Capital, with your view for the market here on Classic Business. The market commentary with Michael Avery was brought to you by Peter Machlob Fine Wrist Watches. South Africa's most trusted and loved watch trader. Listen next Thursday just after 6pm for another market commentary with me, Michael Avery, brought to you by Peter Machlup Fine Wristwatches, South Africa's most trusted and loved watch trader. Do you have a luxury watch you would like to sell? I'm Peter Machlup. For over 30 years, South Africans have trusted me with their luxury watches. I buy Rolex, Patek Philippe, Breitling, Panerai, Cartier and Amiga. I offer honest advice a fair price and a personalised experience from my upmarket, safe and secure office. Ready to sell your Rolex? Visit my website, peterbuyswatches.co.za Classic Business with Michael Avery, sponsored by Alex Forbes. For insight, advice and impact.